Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 12 of A View to a Kaku Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Good, man. Chilled out. I'm on some vacation time. Uh, haven't been at work for like four days. Oh, Pretty dude. excellent. It's it's so exciting. I, I also... This is, uh, listeners, we are recording this a few days after Thanksgiving. Uh, so we have both just had a few days off of work. And I think in both of our cases, it is the first time either of us have been off of work for an extended period in a couple of months. And it is uh, very yeah. nice. Yep. Yeah. Needed it, man. It was wiped out. Feeling real good, though. Nice. Ready to do... Ready to watch some Cocky Ranger. Well, in that case, Dave, today... We're going to be watching episode 12. It is called They Came Forth, New Beast Generals. And my dude, I am very excited about what that seems to imply. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, uh, definitely. I really want... <laughs> Are we going to get totally new ones? I don't know. Maybe. I feel like we're not. I feel like they're just going to get like powered up or something. Man, I don't know. Okay, we'll just watch. We'll find Maybe. Out. I feel like it's a little, yeah, I feel like it's a little early in the show to get a whole new set of robots, but like, man, I don't know. Everything about this show has been surprising to me so far. Yeah, like really surprising. It does not follow the pattern, it seems, of like a lot of other Sentai shows, but like, we'll talk about that at some other point. Yes. Right um, now, Matt. Yes, but before we talk about that, and before we talk about this episode... Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So it's a little wait late, but happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy we had Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving a couple days ago. It was great. We had, dude, a ton of people over. A lot. Like, how many people was it? Like 16 or something? Yeah, I think we ended up having like 16 or 17 people over. So, Well, okay, like many people do, we had, not because we don't love our family, it's just our family, our parents don't live in the country, and so we have Thanksgiving with a bunch of our friends. And so we had, we have kind of, an, Beth and I, that is, have an open policy. We're like, hey, if we're hosting Thanksgiving, like anybody can come. If you don't have a place to be, like come hang out with us, and you can just like enjoy Thanksgiving with us. So most of the people that showed up are friends of ours but we did have some people come that were like friends of friends and they like those people just said like hey we know these other people can we just invite them because like they don't have any place to go and right. so we were like uh yeah sure so it was like mostly people we knew and some people that we didn't know but uh, everybody brought food and everything was delicious we had i made stuffing which we do every year Dude, that stuffing it was great. We have we have shared that stuffing recipe out before. If you want to hunt around for it, yeah, um, we'll put it up on Facebook again. Uh, it's worth making, even if you're not like even outside of Thanksgiving. Like you should just, it's just worth eating. It's super good. Christmas is so up. yeah. That's another good excuse for stuffing. Bam! There you go. So Thanksgiving was awesome. Everybody was great. We had a really nice time. And happy Thanksgiving to you also. Yes, listeners. Thanks for listening. We're thankful. We're thankful for you. How about yeah. that? You know what? Bam. I genuinely am thankful for you. That's true. Yeah, that's not like a jokey bit. That's a true thing. 
So, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's a real short star, uh, but Matt, it does lead directly to our second star of the week. What? Matt is our second star of the week. Dave, our second star of the week is uh, that around Thanksgiving time, actually on Thanksgiving Day, American Thanksgiving, that is, because uh, Canadian Thanksgiving is like in October or something. I don't know, some weird time. Well, you know, I think that it's because Thanksgiving is like, outside of its like specific historical context, it is also like sort of a harvesty thing. Yeah. Sure, and yeah. I ha- okay, what I'm about to say to you is something that I decided in my head a long time ago that may or may not have any relation to the truth is that Canadian Thanksgiving is earlier because it's further north and so like it gets colder sooner so they harvest things earlier. That man, that makes so much sense. I almost feel like it has to be true. You know what? Like that- again, I decided that that was true years ago and never bothered to look it up because it seemed <laughs> right. Um, but around Thanksgiving, Matt, there are two just really, I mean, aside from Thanksgiving itself, two really magical things that happen. Yes. The first is something that's been happening for a long time, which is that the uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 has a marathon every Thanksgiving. Um, and usually it's just like, it's an all day marathon. It goes back and forth between Joel episodes and Mike episodes. Um, and you can just flip on their YouTube stream and watch it there on their website. And it's really great because Mystery Science Theater is really great. And so what they did this year is that they did a poll, I think, among all the people who kickstarted the new season of MST3K that's going to exist. Mm -hmm. And they got like the top episodes ever. Like everybody's favorite episodes, and they just played. I think it was like ten, ten episodes. So my favorite episode is on there, which is the Puma Man. Dude, the Puma Man. Like Puma it was, Man is great. It was low on the yeah. It was low on the list of like their top ten, but it was on the list. I I think it's the best one ever. It's my absolute favorite. Uh, Mono's Hand of Fate, I think, was number one, which is also hilarious. Pod People was on there, which is great. Yep. And the Final Sacrifice, which is my wife's favorite, is on there. And it was she was she felt vindicated because it was higher on the list than Puma Man, but I still say that's crazy. Puma Man is the best. This so is, is Donald Pleasance in the Final Sacrifice? He's not. He's not. Well, so I, I don't know what those people are thinking. Yeah, that's madness. So, um, <laughs> dude, I for like I legit forget sometimes how just like on the ground laughing hilarious MST3K is. I don't know if we've ever really talked about how much we love that show on the podcast. And listen, we I, may no, have. No, I don't it's think we been have. 117 episodes of this show. It's entirely possible it's come up before, so you'll have to bear with us. But like, dudes, like in college, here is what we did. Every Wednesday night, we would order pizza from Domino's because Domino's had like yep. a really great deal. Cheap pizza night. Um, medium one-topping pizzas. Uh, for $5. And we would just... And we would just sit down yeah, and every week watch like two episodes of Mystery Science Theater. And we'd watch them like occasionally he, otherwise, but like... Oh, guys, just way too much pizza. Just eat way, way too much pizza. Yeah. And then... But you're in college, which is, you know, it's cool. That's and the time that you're MST3K. supposed to eat too much pizza. Right. And um, then MST3K. Yeah. So that's, that is like deeply, deeply ingrained in us. I mean, like, listen, this I'm sure is not like blowing anybody's minds. We host a podcast about Super Sentai Brothers, and we we basically just do MST3K, but not as well, and for Super Sentai. Like, that's this podcast. Yeah, kind of. 
And so I actually was thinking about this when we were watching, when we were watching MST3K. I was like, oh, we just try to do this thing. Basically, everybody that does a review show of kind of anything is just doing, we're just doing MST3K. Right. That's, we're all like, they invented a thing and we just do that now. And half of podcasts are now just that. And we are one of those. So, uh, <laughs> we're, thanks, one, we're one of those. So thanks, guys. You guys are great. Listen, so my, my we did three, watch a lot of. My three favorite things growing up, like comedy wise, were Conan O'Brien, Weird Al, and Mystery Science Theater. And I could only do one of those things. And I'm not very musical and no one wants to watch me host a late night show. So this is what you've got. <laughs> um, so we watched a lot of MST3K and what man is the second thing that we do um, the second thing is well this we is don't a, do it but this is a more recent one it's only the second year um, but the brothers from my brother my brother and me and the guys from the worst idea of all time get together every American Thanksgiving to watch Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 in a podcast called Till Death Do Us Blart and it's great it's just great um, you know, they, if you haven't listened to, um, the worst idea of all time, the worst idea of all time is in its third season, which will theoretically be its last season where they watch the same movie every week. And we've talked about that before on the show, right? Yeah, definitely. So this is like an extended version of that where they watch the same movie once a year, but they will be doing it in perpetuity. Like their plan is to just do it basically forever. Um, and so they did it for a second time this year, and it was predictably very funny. Uh, so if you <laughs> if you haven't listened to that show, uh, go check it out. And if you haven't listened to the people who are on the shows that make it up, you should check those out too, because uh, those are also very good shows. Dave, what then? Following our Thanksgiving talk, what's our third star of the week? So this is a real quick star map, but Thanksgiving is over, so now it's Christmas season, man. Heck yeah, it's the best. dude. Like, it's already, I'm not even like fully like on, to borrow a phrase, on that creep. You're not on but, that Christmas like, creep yet? I mean, I am a little bit, but like I'm not fully invested yet because I'm just like doing other stuff and it's still Thanksgiving weekend. But Thanksgiving is over and Christmas season is on and it's the best because Christmas is the best and it's the best. Like I don't have anything past that. Just Christmas is great. And uh, we're doing Christmas prime. It's like so when you're married, you do like alternate Christmases like that's just usually how that works. And so this year is a like Beth's family Christmas. But. We they're gonna come to Cleveland, which they've never done before. So we're doing Christmas in Cleveland with them, and obviously our family will already be in Cleveland. So we're gonna do like a giant joint Christmas. Just like a big double Christmas. Just like a big old double Christmas. And I am hoping like our family is real cool and Beth's family is real cool. They are cool in like slightly different ways. And you know, there's like individual dynamics, but I'm hoping that everybody is gonna be like Real cool and chill and like blended together, and I think it's going to be great. I have, and very so high we're hopes. just going to have like giant. Yeah, I have very high hopes that it's going to be like a giant double Christmas, and it's going to be the best, uh, dude. I, I so have, I have started. Pulling I don't know what my I'm... Christmas decorations. I don't know. If oh you, yeah, man. I don't know if you started doing that yet, but uh, yesterday when I got home from your place, um, I walked over. There's like this little like vintagey shop around the corner from me. Oh, yeah, I've been there. 
So I rolled over there, and once Christmas season hits, like like half of their stuff goes into storage, and they pull out like yeah, they Christmas just go stock. buck wild. Because like, uh-huh. listen, yeah, I've been, been there. Yeah, if you run a vintage store, like Christmas season is your time because like all of the iconic Christmas stuff is from like the fifties and sixties, and so they've just right. that stuff. Um, you know, in various states of disrepair, but a lot of it is in very good shape. Uh, so I went over and I like I bought a new like just a small thing. It was like a ceramic boot with like plastic like like candy canes and pine cones and like you know like sprigs of stuff coming out of it. <laughs> um, right. You know, like that that sort of thing. And so I went over and I picked that up and I decided that that was going to be my excuse to kick off decorating. So I started doing that last night. And my apartment is looking much more festive. I don't have my tree up yet. I hope to do that soon. But I'm very excited. Yeah, so I am. I'm just like real, real jazzed about Christmas. I don't know what I'm getting you or basically anyone yet. But no, you no, will definitely have presents. Uh, so... But Dave, what what is our fourth star of the week? So fourth star of the week is just it's just fall TV, and I don't have like a whole lot of specific stuff to say. But I'm gonna be real. It's been Thanksgiving week, and all I've been doing is like cooking and hanging out, watching TV, and playing Hitman. Nice. So we're, we're gonna talk about fall TV for like a hot second. Let's do it. It's still great. It's still so good. Bob's Burgers continues to be hilarious. It's a wonderful uh, program. Brooklyn Nine-Nine continues to be fantastic. Like, I just... Every time I watch a new episode... This is a true thing. Every time I watch a new episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I'm always a little bit nervous that, like... Oh, no. Like, what if this is the... Like, what if this is the turning episode? Like, what if this this is the episode... Right, where it just stops being funny. Because, like, eventually every show stops being funny. And so I'm just like, ooh, I hope this isn't the one because I like this show so much. And it never is, yet at least. And so I just, <laughs> it's just so good. It's a very good program. Um, uh, I'm really trying to catch up on Arrow because mm-hmm. I'm like many seasons behind. But like it's a long show and there's like 23 episodes in every season. And it's just a lot of TV. Yeah, dude, if you get behind on those CW shows, it is hard to catch up because they're long episodes and you can't they're just sit long. down and watch like five of them in a night because that's your whole night. Um, yeah, it is not easy. I am super behind on all the fall TV stuff because like when I get home from work and I like sit down to do some like entertainment stuff, uh, uh-huh. I try to maximize that entertainment. And so normally what that means is I sit down, I listen to a podcast, and I play a video game at the same time. Because I can do both Oh, so you're, you're so doubling concurrent. up right on. Yeah. Right. And it is very difficult to play a video game, listen to a podcast, and watch TV, like, all at the same time. Uh, yes. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I fall behind a lot, because that's just a lot, you know? Right. Though, actually, now that I'm saying this, I did do that last week. Um, because it was Sunday night. And I was listening to, I forget which podcast, um, and I was playing the new Pokemon game on the 3DS, um, and then the WWE uh, Survivor Series was on, and I was like, oh, I've got to watch Survivor Series, <laughs> but I also don't want to stop training these Pokemon, and I do need to listen to, I don't know, let's just say it was, let's Still say it was us, I don't care, let's, there's no reason to give anybody sure, else whatever. Like, I was listening to us, because we're hilarious. Um, <laughs> Anyway, 
So I did do all three of those things at once. Uh, and I looked That's... away from the TV for three seconds and I very, very nearly missed the entirety of the Brock Lesnar Goldberg match. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, dude. That match was over in like a minute and a half. I just, okay, I'm not like super duper up on wrestling, but didn't Goldberg has not been around in like a very long time. Am I yeah, correct I, in that? Yeah, like 12 years. That doesn't it's, seem it's, it's a wow. whole thing. Uh, I feel like we would have to extend these five stars a long time to talk about it. Um, okay, well, let's not worry about that. It but. was very surprising. <laughs> so, um, what Matt is our fifth star of the week? Our fifth star of the week, Dave, is uh, we went out to go see a movie the other day, and it was fun. It was very beautiful. Uh, we went to go see. It Fantastic was a gorgeous. Okay, find them. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, and if you care, we're going to talk about It's been out for like two weeks, but if you want to skip in, there's like some spoilery stuff, I guess. You can jump ahead a few minutes, and then we'll be done talking about it. But Fantastic Beasts, beautiful movie, gorgeous, oh, yeah. loved everything about it. Like literally every visual element of that movie was so on point. It's like a little hard to talk about all of them. Here's, Key here's point. my theory, is that they... They had the art department work up a book called The Art of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them so that they could sell a huge, beautiful coffee table book for Christmas. And then they shipped that art book to the screenwriters and said, hey, could you make a movie out of all this crap? That makes a ton of sense. Okay, so everybody is dressed incredibly. The sort of like head villain who's played by Colin Farrell, that dude's look is so on point. Like, I can't handle it a little bit. Like, he looks amazing. Yeah, he's got this weird... He like, looks like a Wall Street businessman, like, wizard, but from the early 20s, which is basically what he is. Yeah, um, it's a all the American, All the American Aurors, who are wizard police, if you're not a Harry Potter person, all the early 20th century American Aurors are all just dressed like FBI G-men. They've all got fedoras and leather trench coats, and it's incredible. It's very good. Like, all the outfits look great and all like the performances are all very good except that someone did mention to me that eddie redmade in that movie is basically doing an impression of matt smith as the doctor and now i can't unsee that oh crap yeah no you're right he yeah, does no, he's just that's ab- pretty like, much even it. the haircut he's just absolutely doing that he's got the so bow tie there- like it's just matt he's smith. got the bow toy he's got the high pants he's got like the boot yeah no you're right he is so there were a handful of like weird things about the movie, though. Yeah. So well, okay. this is this is where we're going to get into like some spoilery talk. So if you haven't skipped ahead yet, here it is. Here's your last warning. We'll be talking about this for a few minutes, and then we'll meet you on the other side. Um, they so basically made two of- movies, and then they put them together into one movie, but they didn't bother trying to like actually like make it one coherent movie. Yeah, there were like, here. okay, here's my problem with it, is they were, it was kind of its own movie, but it was also very definitely like one of a series, like part one of the Newt Scamander story. Right. And I'm always a little like, ah, like I get it, I get what you're doing, like I know that you're trying to set stuff up for the next movies, but like... I'm going to go see the next one if the first one is good. Like, you don't need to worry so hard about, like, getting it in that, like, wink, nudge, this is part one. 
Yeah, they seeded stuff in the movie and to like set up stuff for subsequent movies, not in the way that you should for a movie, but in the way that you should for like a TV show. Like if the next episode of the Newt's Commander yeah. TV show was coming out next week, I'd be like, oh, of course, that's why you did that that way. But I don't want to have to wait two years for like a weird like off reference that you make to pay off because it certainly doesn't pay off in this movie and it's probably not going to be that satisfying in a few years when I see it. Right. Okay. Also, speaking of like weird long payoff stuff, like the whole okay, so the first like the primary plot of the movie is that like there are all these fantastic beasts and they've gotten loose and Newt's commander has to get them back. Like he's he has to catch them all. Yeah, he's got to catch them all. Like that's <laughs> there he's caught them. Now they're loose. He's got to go back and catch them all. And that's like the primary part of the movie. And then there's this whole secondary thing with of the movie where there's like a larger like magic-y problem that's happening. That is completely unrelated. Yeah, totally unrelated. And like the architect behind that problem is Grindelwald, which like I knew who he was. Matt, I don't think you did. I mean, I remember that he was a name from Harry Potter, right? And I remember that he was a bad guy. And in the opening credits... There are, like, some newspaper headlines that flash past very quickly that say, like, oh, Grindelwald is bad. But then that doesn't come up for a half an hour, at least. Grindelwald is, like, he's, like, the World War, he's, like, the old villain. Like, before Voldemort was, like, the big problem, it was Grindelwald. Okay. But, like, unless you're real down on your Harry Potter... Like, that's just not a thing that most people know. It's not in the I front of like. mind, and they treated it as though I was already thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Which was, like, a, a kind of weird and strange. And also, they got... Oh, well, we already said we're doing spoilers, so who cares? So, Grindelwald, like, the dude who plays Grindelwald is, like, disguised as somebody else. And for the most of the movie, it's played by Colin Farrell, and he does a great job. And then at the very end, they do, like... A revealo, and it's to like see who he really is, and it's Grindelwald. Surprise, surprise! And Grindelwald is played by like Johnny Depp in like white pancake makeup with a weird hair and a dumb mustache. Yeah, it's a bad. And like, I'm just it goes like, from being an incredible look on Colin Farrell to looking completely goof troop on like Johnny Depp. Yeah, I just I feel like at this point Johnny Depp just has as a writer in his contract that any movie he's in he gets to wear weird makeup like that's just Johnny Depp does not appear in the flesh he only appears with like weird makeup whether it's like grease paint for Captain Jack or like weird white pancake makeup for literally any other character he plays that's like that's in there dude in dude wait for it in five years he's gonna refuse to appear in a movie unless he is fully computer generated I'm oh my god (laughs) um so that was a little bit weird and then the ending of it okay. was like, the ending so of this, this movie, movie got real dark. Like, so, I feel like they should have said as part of, I, I don't know how you would have said this or sold this, but Fantastic Beasts, as far as I could tell, was definitely presented as like a movie for kids. Like, it's Harry Potter. There's Fantastic Beasts. Eddie Redmayne is like charming and embarrassed all the time. Come see this movie. And I, we were watching it, and I leaned over to Beth, and I was like, man, I feel like I would not have brought kids to this. Like, after having seen it, I do not know that I would bring children to see this movie. 
This movie gets like real intense and dark in a handful of spots. It really does. And there's like there's a lot of like weird abuse happening. Uh there's this one character who becomes very important at the end because he was like attached to a monster that is the big problem for the movie. Um Yeah. And he's just the saddest boy. He's the saddest saddest boy. And he's not a boy like actually it's played by the same guy yeah. who's going to be the Flash in the new Justice League movies, but like yeah, he's but he's very a teenager. Boy, like his mom is dead. His like adoptive mom is like abusive. Like gets raw. Like like in an uncomfortable way. Right. Right. And then at the end of the so, movie, okay. Why? Right. So at the end of this movie, he like he has some like crazy magic thing that's going all over the place and wrecking the city. Right. Um. And okay. So as. He has been sort of, like, cornered for a moment, right? Uh, the good guys and the bad guys are both trying to, like, talk the him into, like, either stopping the destruction or, like, joining them to, like, do greater destruction. And they're having this sort right. of back and forth, and he's kind of listening to some, and he's not listening to others. And you think that at some point, like, this conversation is going to be resolved, and then that's sort of, like, how the movie's going to go, right? That's yeah, like, somehow. Because what happens is that as they are starting to talk this sad, sad boy into not destroying the city, like as they're just about to win, all of the magic cops walk in and shoot this sad boy to death with magic. Like, like a- they literally, he's standing there like, like shaking and like trying to do this thing. And the president walks in with the aurors and is like, he cannot live because he's too dangerous. And everyone's like, no, please do not shoot him. And the Aurors shoot that sad boy to death with their wands. It's, yes, that's it's, sad, it's, it's so many magic bullets. Like, like, and it's just, there's no, and it's no, the president is not like, oh, it's so sad that we had to do that thing. She's like, well, he was a monster and had to die. And that's just it. Yeah, like, I mean, there is like, no. He was like a giant black cloud at the time. So it's not like gross or anything. Except for emotionally, in which case it is extremely gross because they shot that sad boy to death with magic, Dave. Yeah, it's anyway, man. The, mu- the movie again, is, it got dark. The movie is beautiful if you like to go see beautiful movies, um, and maybe all of this stuff will pay off. And in three years, when we're watching part two, we will say how happy we were for all of these things that they seeded. But right now, goodness gracious, this movie. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so let's watch something that hopefully will be happier. Let's Gosh. watch some Ninja Sentai Kakarot. Gosh, I now. hope so, Dave. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to go watch episode 12. They came forth, the New Peace Generals, and we will be right back. Ninja, Ninja! All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 12. Uh, dude, this one, I, I felt very good about this episode. It was a good like, episode. We do... We do continue the streak of not not actually knowing like what's what's happening beside just like punching a yokai in the face every week. Yes, There's but I still like, know like I, I feel like that is absolutely true. I feel like this episode gets us one step closer to like a concrete yeah, like, thing for this season. We're we're creeping there, but like I just like I want something to put here's the thing. Super Sentai is so weird all the time. That, like I, I want like 
I want my feet to touch bottom somewhere. <laughs> and Cocker Rangers is like, no, nah, man, we're just out there. And you like just just roll with it. We're not and I'm just like, guys, I really would like we're fighting Yokai, who are led by blank. Like, help me out. It is <laughs> just it, it, you know, it is as though we have gone out to a nice dinner and we keep waiting for the entree and they keep giving us like really delicious appetizers. And the appetizers are right. so good, but like, but when am I gonna get my entree? That is that is a surprisingly apt description, Matt. Thank that you. worked real well. So okay, so this episode starts with some kids and they are walking home, I guess, from school. And we hear a song being sung. Uh, we find out it's being sung by Dorodoros. But not just any Dorodoros. Nope, not just any Dorodoros. These Dorodoros dressed up like clowns for reasons that are literally never explained or, and do not make sense say, with the monster. Not only never explained, never addressed. Right, like, this isn't a clown monster we're about to fight. The fact that these dudes are clowns, mean, it's just it's out of nowhere and it means nothing. They're just dressed like clowns. Well, here's the thing, also, Dave. They, they are doing the traditional clown thing of singing a little song about which weapons they have, uh, which is what they're doing. Uh, it's the song that's yeah. like, we have rifles, we have bows and arrows, we have spears. And they just... They're just singing that. So, yeah. So then they, the kids see the Dorodoros, and the kids freak out very, very understandably. Kids freak out, and then the Dorodoros roll the boulder towards the kids. And when the boulder gets close to them, they get the kids, that is, get sucked into the boulder. Yep. And then the, the children within the boulder start crying, and then the Dorodoros steal the children's backpacks and, like, take the boulder away with them. And keep singing and dancing. It is a that's very the first strange scene. cold open. Yep, that's the first scene of the show. So, second scene. There's a mansion, and it is a dark and stormy night. Awesome. Yes. I kind of, I know what to do with that, at least. Because it. inside is obviously going to be an evil scientist. We go in. Thank you, Cocker Ranger. There is an evil scientist. Oh, dude. And this evil scientist has all the evil scientist stuff. He's great. He's got giant crazy hair. He does have like monster ears, which is a new one. Yes. But he has giant crazy hair and he's wearing glasses. I think they wanted him to have like glasses and an eye patch, but he has just glasses and then like one of the lenses is just painted black. You know, I have seen that before. I think that is a... Like, that is a thing where, like, if you got one bad eye and one no eye, that's just how you handle that? I, okay, sure, I could dig that. So he's got, he's got all this stuff. He's got beakers, and they are filled with colors of liquid. And some of those beakers are smoking. Not smoking, it's almost definitely, like, liquid nitrogen or something. Yeah. But, like, there's, like, mist and different colors of liquid, and some things are bubbling, and he's doing, like, vague science at them. What's great is that in the room also are Dorodoros, not clown Dorodoros, regular ones, but they are very clearly like his lab assistants. Like they are looking at microscopes and like doing lab work for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we don't know what he's working on, but we are about to find out. So a Tengu like opens the door and walks in. And Matt, can you just like help us out with the Tengu here real quickly? Okay. So the Tengu, when I saw that this guy was called Tengu... I was very surprised because 
his look is he's got like this bright red face with his huge long nose and a big hat with like a pic- like a the band around the hat is like a picture of fire. He's got like long hair and a big beard and like a big red body and chains on him, right? But when I yeah. think of a Tengu, I think of like a bird man. Yes. And apparently I think I, I, I did a quick, Go ahead. I did a quick check on this. And apparently early depictions of Tengu were bird people. And apparently as time has progressed, like the long beak of the bird face has been sort of translated into like the Tengu appearing as a human with a very long nose, which is why we have the oh. look we have. Like if you go to the Wikipedia okay. article for Tengu and you see a Tengu mask, it looks exactly like this dude's face. Got it. Okay, awesome. There was a dude who was a Tengu in uh, Gourmet Hunter Toriko, which I think I've talked about in the past. It is a great show, and I wish they would bring it back. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that is a thing. Also, I, I so, might be uh, thinking of the Tenga, and the Tenga were like the bird-like putties from season three of Power Rangers. Oh, well, I will also tell you that Tengu are a playable race in Dungeons and Dragons, and they are definitely bird people. There we go. There it is. We found it. That's why I So that. that or Pathfinder. I, I can't remember which. But, like, you're not making that out of whole cloth. Like, that is definitely a thing. Anyway, so in, in this context, he's a big red dude with a big long nose. And apparently, according to our, trans, or our narrator, when he gets his swagger on, uh, his nose gets longer. I had to pause it. I had to pause it. Because, yeah, when he swaggers, his nose grows. So here's what we find out. So the Tengu is working with, I can't remember the guy's name, but like the evil scientist. You know, I don't think we and, even get his name until the end of the episode, but I did write it down. His name is Dr. Yagami. Okay, so the Tengu is working with Dr. Yagami, and here's what we find out. So Dr. Yagami is working on an invention for Tengu, like the dude's on contract, mm-hmm. and the the reason that the Tengu needs an invention is because he is, thinks he's like I am the strongest yokai. However, and here he picks up a magazine <laughs> and he says, "But Yokai Weekly never puts me in the top spot of their ranking." So, first I of all, the yokai. This. Yokai have their own magazine. A and as far as I can tell, it is a weekly publication. And, and it seems like <laughs> the only thing in this magazine is like, who's the strongest Yokai? Like, that's what it seems to be. I really okay. hope it's not. Like, I just want issue, there to be right? so much more in this magazine. I want the there to be like housekeeping tips. Oh, oh my gosh, that would be so good. I want there to be like fashion advice. I just like I want everything. Like I want a full on like Cosmo for yet for yokai. Okay, I have a uh, one something to say and then a request. First of all, like the magazine because he does pick it up and it's like a glossy covered magazine. So this is not like this is not a zine that somebody is putting out. Like there is a publishing house somewhere that is owned and operated by yokai who has enough of a staff and budget to be putting out like a full like. Like, I, I feel like this is like a yokai, like, tabloid newsletter sort of thing. Um, yeah, no, they are not messing around. And it's a thick magazine. It's not just, like, a broadsheet. So, here is my request. 
if any of you out there in the listening audience, because they show the cover of this magazine and all the article, like all the writing on it is in Japanese, obviously. Um, and I right. don't read Japanese. If any of you are able to like see this magazine and read any of the like headlines or article titles on the cover, um, please let me know what the purported contents of this magazine are. Because I need yeah, like to we know. need we need those deets. So <laughs> so the, so sorry. So Doctor, what was his name again, Matt? Doctor Yagami. Doctor Yagami. So Doctor Yagami, he's like, listen, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you kill the kill the rangers. And the tanker says, yes, that's the plan. I'm going to kill the rangers, and that will show everybody that I am the strongest yokai. Like, I'm the best. Like, go Tengu. And then his nose grows. And this is where we find out that when he swaggers, his nose grows. We go from there to Nekamaru, who's driving down the road. And they're like, oh, they're driving. And they kind of hop out, and they see a town in the distance. So I guess they're trying to, like expand their market share beyond just Tokyo. Now, are you talking about their ninja market share or their food truck market share? I feel like either either one would work for them. So they see a town, and they're like, ooh, maybe we should stop there. And somebody else says, ah, that town looks kind of small. So, okay, actually, we back that up. I think they're pretty much talking about crepes. Okay, here's my question. Because they, they pop out and they look at the town and they do talk about how it's small. But then Seikai says, yeah, but they have to have something to eat there. I'm starving. Here are my Seikai. questions. First of all, okay. you live in a food truck. If you're that hungry, you could make something happen. Two, I know because I have seen it before in this show. You can use ninja magic to summon like plates of food. I've seen it. I know you can do this. Why are you hungry? There is no... Okay, here's my only idea. Maybe like, okay, you can only ever eat so many crepes. But wait, no, that's insane because you can eat crepes forever because you can do so many things. The crepe is a beautifully versatile food. Yeah, so second... Maybe the only, like, they can summon ninja food, but it's, like, illusionary food. That's, like, my only, that's my only, but he does still literally live in a food truck. So, I don't, I don't know what's happening. He just desperately needs those hamburgers, Dave. Remember, in some times and cases, Seikai is Jughead. That's, he does have a dumb hat. You know, he's, he's half Jughead, half Archie. And this is a, this is a very broad statement that isn't, entirely accurate but he is girl crazy like archie and he is food crazy like jughead he has two great tastes that go great together i suppose man i don't get like i know that people dig archie about archie before on this show uh i don't know if we're going to be able to get any deeper into it just the two of us because neither of us have read archie comics since that conversation although i still mean to because i hear the new stuff is really great I just, I can't conceive of how that's true. But, uh, okay, so a kid arrives, his name is Masao, and he, like, runs up, and he's very sad, and the rangers are like, what's going on, kid? And he says, oh, this is really weird, everybody in town is acting strange, like, they're disappearing, and then when they come back, nobody's talking. Like, just nobody will talk to me at all. Like, even my parents... 
Yeah, and so the ranger's like, well, that's weird. Let's go to town. So they go to town, and they arrive, and at first nobody's there, which is very strange. And then some people start showing up. There's like a dude on a bike, and there's a construction worker, and everybody they try to talk to just ignores them. It's not that they can't... It's not like someone's stolen their ability to speak. It's that like they're just... They're like automatons, kind of. Yeah. And they do, like they ignore you, and then they don't talk to you. So, the, so the, then this the happens kid, a few times, and then the kid's parents walk up, and the kid is like, "Okay, great. Here are my parents. Even though I just was talking about how they refuse to acknowledge me, maybe they'll do it this time." So he runs over, and the parents just like literally shove him away and keep walking away in silence. Yeah. So then, the, t- the more people show up. And those people are like Frankensteining it. Like they have, sorry, they're not Frankenstein's monster. They're the townspeople that are attacking. They've got like rakes and stuff. Uh, some tennis rackets. Yeah. And they just go to attack the Just to be clear, this also has nothing to do with the monster. Like this is never explained. Yeah. It's so like point- Tengu never says like, oh, this is the plan. I'm going to like replace everybody with like evil yokai robots. They're not Dorodoros. They're not robots. It, they're just they're just there, and they're attacking. They're, they're attacking the Rangers now. Is now, what's happening now? At some point, they say, "Oh, the a yokai must have cast like a spell on this town." So clearly, someone did something, but it does not appear to be, as Dave said, otherwise related to Tengu's plan. Yeah, and we don't we don't see him do it. We don't. We assume that it's Tengu, but we don't see him do it, and it's never explained. And after this one part, it's never referenced again. So, as the, to like why this is the case. So the Rangers are like trying. They're not really fighting back. They're just trying to avoid getting like mobbed by this angry crowd. And they say like, okay, clearly something is going on. We can't just fight these humans because, like you know, we can't use our like crazy ninja superpowers to beat up a bunch of townsfolk. And so they all just run away. And they get herded and chased um, to, like, a particular part of town. Now, at this point, Masao has been cornered by the clown Dorodoros, who are back with their boulder. Yes. They just, they roll it at him, and he gets absorbed by it. And then and- it starts to roll away, and as it's rolling away... Masao is crying, like, from inside of it. The rangers hear that and say, like, oh, we need to go rescue him. Yes. They chase the boulder to to a quarry because, which, of course. Right. Which, honestly, like, if, a, if a, maybe the boulder's just going home, it makes sense that it would live in a quarry. This is the one time that it actually kind of connects. <laughs> so... <laughs> So they chase this. It's actually kind of a neat thing because they just, what they have clearly done is just roll this boulder downhill and then they're just playing the footage backwards. But they do a pretty good job of like making it look like the boulder's rolling uphill. So the boulder rolls uphill into the quarry and then it like literally like leaps up onto a cliff. And Quarry and the evil, I'm sorry, Tengu and the evil scientist are there. And Tengu says, This is my plan, how I will kill you all sorry because the rangers there too and dr yagami right yagami dr yagami he holds up a liquid a vial of blue liquid and he says this is my ultimate invention this liquid will interact with the with the rock yes and then you'll see what happens 
So he pours the liquid on the rock and then it glows and explodes. And then we get maybe my new favorite moment, my new favorite moment in this show. Yes, because what he shouts then is yokai replicas. And the yokai replicas are here and they are beautiful and pure and I love them. So what so what they are is that the yokai replicas are the are the yokai monsters that the rangers have already defeated but remade as cyborgs. They are cyborg yokai dudes. It So is they've got like great. Kappa Kappa has like a giant robo scythe arm and uh Shirigumi has this, this is where we run into a problem which is that I, the names of the yokai I can remember during the episodes but if we're going yeah, back like, through I do have a lot of trouble like placing names with faces Azukirai that's his name I don't know where I got Shurigumi so Azukirai is there and he's got like a Mega Man like blaster arm Oburoguburo there is and he has a literal like tank turret on top of his taxi body yes uh, we got what's the wall guy's name again I can't remember the brick wall guy has like robot legs I think yeah and Which so, doesn't okay, seem as so imposing this- as the other bits but you know yeah, it's it's incredible. So they start fighting. Oh, and, and, and there's enough. That when they first pop out, there's a moment where the Kaka Rangers seem worried about this. And then Seik, uh, Sasuke is like, listen, we already beat these dudes up before. Like, we are not afraid of your stupid replicas. Like, let's just do this thing. Uh, and then they transform into their ninja selves. And then we realize that Sasuke was a little overconfident. Yeah, because what we what we realize and what he should have realized is that they did beat them, but they didn't beat them like one on one. And now there's enough yokai there that like each ranger has to deal with a, an individual yokai and it does not go well. No, although what's very cool is that the, the way they line up the fights... They do it in such a way that, like, oh, the when the brick guy or the brick wall guy was an enemy, that was a Saizo episode. So Saizo is fighting him. And it all sort of breaks down like that. It's a very cool callback to those episodes. Uh, wall guy Matt is called Nurikabe. That's his Thank name. Thank you, Nurikabe. I just pulled, I pulled up the monster list and I started going through it. So they're, like, 1v1-ing these yokai and they lose. Like, straight up, they lose. They, it does not go well. So once they, the Rangers have lost, the Tengu says, all right, time to go giant. I'm going to use giantism to crush you all. So he turns the yokai replicas into giants. And then he is also a giant, I think. Yes. And then Which is a problem because the they Rangers, were having trouble with the five of them. And now there's six. So they are outnumbered. Yeah. And then so the Rangers summon their giant beast generals, of course. And then just everyone goes nuts. And it's it's like 11 dudes all in giant robot suits going crazy. It's amazing. Well, what's, they're what's, just like no individual element of it is incredible. But just the fact that they're all there fighting. So at this point, they, now they've sort of like gotten back to having been squared off. And... Uh, Sasuke pulls out the red Saruter slicer thing. You know, like the 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 shield disc. Yeah, his like bowls at his them to cut them in razor half. bowler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. He pulls that out, and Tengu says, 
hold on a hot second. Um, if you do that, you are going to murder these children. And then we find out that the children who had been sucked into the boulders are like trapped in slash like the power source for these replicas. And we see them sort of like floating inside the bodies and like they're crying and asking for help. And they realize like, oh no, we, we cannot kill these monsters because, you know, children. Killing right, children kill is these, not the thing that we, we can't are kill supposed these to boys. do. That is in fact the opposite of what we are supposed to do. Okay, so Tengu orders his guys to attack. So all the yokai replicas attack and they blow up the giant beast generals. And they blow them up so hard that first of all, the giant beast generals disappear. Second, the rangers themselves unhenge and are like on the ground like oh this is uh we're we're in trouble so then tengu blasts them again and he calls it the final blow which is not actually correct yeah well i feel like he it was reasonable to assume that that would be the case but he was wrong and then i think it's sasuke stands up and he's like, we can't leave without saving these kids. Oh, did you write our desire? Yes. Our desire to fight for justice is limitless. Limitless. And then it's all so the, good. Oh my god. Then the other rangers stand up and he's like, Okay, it's time to unleash like our most powerful ninpo. So they pull ninpo. out Yeah, they pull out their Doron chargers, and what we find out is that like we've been seeing them. But apparently, like, a little medallion... There's, like, a little medallion in each of the Doron chargers. It's like a power coin, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it turns out you can take those out, which we did not know. Well, we didn't know because it is their hidden Ninpo, Dave. Right. So they take out... They take these coins out, and they just, like, throw them into the sky. And it is... I, I wrote it down. Hidden-style Ninpo Beast General Fighter. That's what this Ninpo is called. Yes. And so all and of the coins transform into like a skinnier, sleeker, more agile version of the giant beast generals. I just wrote more ninja e. Yeah, you know what? That's perfect. Yeah. They are more ninja e. They're they're not clearly made out of parts of a giant castle. Yeah. So now we have, and then they super hang again, and then they summon the giant beast generals again. So now we have the giant beast generals. And then we also, which are like the ones we've been used to seeing, and then we also have the Beast General Fighters. So basically, there's like Giant Beast General Saruter and Beast General Fighter Saruter. Which is amazing. And Beast General Fighter is like the ninja E version. Because now we know, like, now it makes sense why they are called generals. Because it's like, oh, yeah, this one is the general, and like the other, like, sleeker version is his troops. So, like,. They all are there together, and the five beast generals are like, okay, you five, go fight. It was yes. great. So, so those dudes fight, and apparently the beast general fighters are, like, way tougher. Also, they're getting real athletic in those robot suits. Like, I was very impressed. Yes. This is like, they're doing, like, flips, and, like, they do some backflips and handsprings and stuff, like, which... Like, listen, if you, I've never worn a costume just like that, but I have worn enough, like, bulky monster costumes to know that it is not easy to move around like that in those things. No. and So, so really they're doing cool. all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, is they've made these things sleek enough that you can do that. Um, but since it's being done on this giant scale, it looks even more crazy. 
Right, because it's, in theory, at least, this, you know, like, 20-story robot that's, like, doing backflips. I love it. I love it. I love so, it. So, wow. And now, this is great. So, while the Beast General fighters are fighting, the Beast Gen- the Great Beast Generals just form Muteki Shogun. Okay. So, here... I have a problem with this now. So the whole point of summoning the Beast General fighters is that they're like, well, we can't defeat these, like, we can't defeat these monsters because if we defeat the monsters, then we will, like, kill the boys inside them. But then they form Muteki Shogun and Muteki Shogun just kills Tengu. Like, that's very quick. Like, Tengu just runs at Muteki Shogun, and he first he cuts his nose off, which is great, and that's what kills Tengu. It's amazing. So, but why could they not have just... I am choosing to believe that since they were so outnumbered, they needed to summon the Beast General fighters to distract the other five so that they could get a clean shot off on Tengu. No, okay, the, yeah, actually, that works. No, that makes sense. Is that, like, they're faster and more agile and maybe stronger? I don't know. I, w- I would probably not stronger. That's If I was writing them up as characters, I would make them faster and more agile but less strong because I feel like that would, like, yeah, that's, balance if it was a Yeah, game. you just got to, like, allocate your points differently. But those five don't transform into Mateki Shogun. So, like, the, right. the regular Beast Generals are still needed for that. So they got, like, their skirmishers out there to tangle with the replicas so that they five could focus on the Tengu and cut off his giant nose. There you go. Okay. It was great. So, yeah. So they do that. So Tengu dies. He's dead now. Great. And then we find out, oh, case not over. Case isn't over yet. So the Tengu has been defeated and we cut to the narrator. And the narrator says, okay, that's great. Kids are saved. However... There's still something else in the mix. Doctor. Evil doctor scientist. So he is... We cut back to his, like, house. It's not a castle, really. It's a house. So... And he's just, like, running out with his, like, files, which he just loads into the back of what appears to be, like, a Toyota SUV. And he's like, I will still create the ultimate invention to kill the rangers. And then he jumps in his SUV and drives away. And then the narrator says, like, I love okay, that he- I guess we're going to see what his next move is. Like, see you next week. Have a nice time. I super love that he doesn't, like, teleport away. And he just, like, loads his stuff into his car and drives away. <laughs> and they do, like, they take the time. They take the time to give us, like, a shot of him just, like, pulling down his driveway and leaving. So uh, the other thing that I love about this is that the Kaka Rangers don't know where his spooky science house is. Like, they never went there. Like, for, like this guy could probably just continue to chill in his lab, and they would never find him. Uh, listen, man, I feel like the evil scientist handbook says, like, if you are defeated, like, if then, like, if defeated, then move to new headquarters. And probably hit the self it's just button. That's true, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, that house, he's, go- we didn't see it, but that house has definitely exploded at this point. Uh, so that's see, I love this episode. now we're just waiting yeah we're just kind of waiting to see what's up with this evil scientist but we do know that he will be back in some capacity we don't exactly know what though 
Okay, so Dave, let me let me slice off uh, let me slice something off that we haven't done in a while that we have officially retired, but I'm unofficially bringing back for this episode. Uh, can we do a quick high points, low points? Yeah, sure. Okay. I assume you're doing this because like you have a specific high point and low point. Yeah. So the low point of the episode is that like there's a lot that doesn't make sense. Like why were the Just villagers so do- why were the villagers acting the way that they were acting? Um why are those Dorojoros dressed as clowns? Why Why is Seikai hungry? You live in a food truck. You yeah. live in a food truck. There's a lot of this episode that seems like half written. But I think that that's because like what this episode is really about is introducing new stuff. And that is my high point. We have for so long in this show, like in the first couple of episodes, they gave us all five rangers, you know, the giant robots and the idea that they're fighting yokai. But that's all like ever since then, everything that's been introduced has been like finished by the end of that episode. Um, yeah. Except for like a very brief carryover from like one or two of the monsters. But like that's pretty much it. And I feel like this episode is the first time since the first few episodes that we've actually gotten new things introduced to the show and a like villain character who we know will come back at least once. Uh, yes. And I'm very excited about Which that. Which is, no, that is super exciting. I am really, like, I'm psyched that that is the case because I'm hoping, like, I am hoping that we get that. Because I just, like, I need more. I need something to, like, dig my teeth into about, like, about this show. I'm totally there you with know? you. Yeah. So that is, that okay. is what so, really excited me about this episode. <laughs> um, so, Matt, where does Tengu fit on the Creature Royale? Like, okay. where, where does this bad dude go? Okay, so initially, in the, as we were watching the episode... I thought, oh man, this guy is going to go super high on the list. And then by the end of the episode, I was like less excited about him. Okay, I do. He's got a great look. He does have I a I dig look. his look a whole lot. And I really, even though he's not, you know what? I'm going to say actually his plan is pretty successful okay. because he does, yes. he loses. But like everybody always loses. Like every every monster loses. But he does manage to like force the rangers to pull out like their next big most powerful thing, which nobody else has managed to do before. That's true. So he's got a cool plan. Mhm. And he does look pretty rad. He does look pretty rad. Let me let me talk to you about his plan though for a second. Sure. Um and this this is why I decided to downgrade him on my personal list is that the success of that plan is not based on anything that Tengu himself did. It is based entirely on the invention of Dr. Yagumi. And so, Ooh, okay. like, I Good feel point. like we, we're not rating Dr. Yagumi yet because he's still alive, but I feel like Dr. Yagumi is going to rate very high on my list. Tengu just kind of hired Dr. Yagumi to do a thing. Mm, which is efficient supervision point. and good use of his financial resources. But it's not actually, like, him doing creative monster stuff. Okay. I can dig that. That's actually, that's a very good point. So where do you think he goes on the list? Because where I'm looking at is, you know, he is the dude who is pointing the, like, actual threat of this episode to do its stuff. And he's got a great look. 
And that reminds me a lot of like Archbishop Saw, which is pretty low on the list. He is kind of low on the list. Maybe. Yeah, but he does look like real, real rad. He does. I he's think. got like suspenders that are made out of chains, sort of. Yeah, and he's got like a giant beard and like a fire hat thing. I dig that fire okay, hat. Okay, so let's just like top half, bottom half. Top half, bottom half. I'm going bottom half. What do you say? And I feel okay, bad about it because when he first showed up, I really liked him. And if the thing with the villagers had actually made sense and like actually like been concretely tied to Tengu, um, I may rank him higher. But we have no indication that that's actually the fact. That might have been more Dr. Yukumi stuff. Okay, so is he cooler than... Uh, Dorotabo, the TV, the TV monster from a couple of weeks ago. No, man. Dude, Dorotabo got into, like, a cage match with, uh, Jiraiya. Oh, that was awesome. man, I forgot about that cage match. Okay, is he, is he cooler than Archbishop Saw? I think he's cooler than Archbishop Saw. I think he is cooler than Archbishop Saw. Is he? Saw. Ooh, I don't know, man. Archbishop Saw, like, did, like, throw giant lightning bolts. Yeah, I'm actually, I actually still am not gonna sure say, what Tengu's powers were. Like, his nose yeah. got big, but that didn't really affect anybody. Okay, but I feel like his plan was better. Okay, I'm going to say better than Archbishop Saw. Better than Baron String? Better than Baron String. Better than Thunder? Uh... Thunder always suffers because it's not like... Thunder didn't have a personality. And the one great thing about... Um, Kaku Ranger is that since they there isn't like an overarching villain, each monster of the week has to have their own. Yeah, like does have that. a lot more. And that right, makes, they've got yeah. a lot more like personal juice, and that makes each of them a lot more lovable than just like throwaway villains in other shows. Um, so yeah. actually, based okay, his look is good. His plan basically doesn't belong to him, so I'm going to disqualify that. But if we're going on X Factor, the fact that the reason that he is after the Kaku Rangers is entirely because he wants to get higher on the ranking in a magazine is so wonderful that I do want to give him credit for that. Okay, I so think I he's actually in that case. Thunder. I think in that case he's actually even cooler than Azukirai, the bean washer from a cut from like early early on. Mm-hmm. I like him better, but I don't like him better than Konakijiji, our doll monster from last week. Okay, so Tengu goes on the list at number 32 between number 32. and Azukirai. Awesome. Well, man, I think that's it for us. Yes, that is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Kaka Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on there. That's what's going to help new people find the show. I suspect that it is similar for other platforms other than iTunes, which we are also <laughs> available on. Um, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Head to RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com to check out all the other great shows. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week.